So we are in the middle of a series, we're actually in part six of a series on who God is, on who God is, and this is a big topic for anyone to take on, but God really led us to it, and uh, and, uh, he's been working through it, working in my life as well, and uh, we're talking about things that are true of God alone and really no one else in the same way. Today we're talking about God's power. I had worked on things quite a bit and thought through things, prayed through things. Got to my Saturday, and it was about 9.30. The kids were in bed. Good, I can go to sleep, get a good night's rest, come and and preach this morning. God just kept me awake, I'll tell you what. Seriously, there's no other explanation. I was exhausted, but things were just scrolling through my mind. I had to get up and spend time in prayer, and God really took me in, in, in a different direction or moved me around. And here I stand before you, and I'm excited about what God shared with me. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you as well this morning. So if you'll join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to do the work that only you can do in our hearts. You slice between the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. You know our motives, our hidden motives. You know everything about us. Before you, we are laid bare. I pray that your Spirit would do the work that your Spirit does in our lives, searching our hearts that we might come to know you more deeply, come to know you more powerfully uh, in, our, in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to read a couple scriptures with you this morning. The first is from 1 Corinthians 2. This is Paul. He says this, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power power of God. I find this a really interesting passage. Paul is saying, when I came to you, I kept it very minimal. I didn't come with smooth and persuasive presentation or a well-crafted argument, because then your confidence would rest on human wisdom. I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so your faith might rest on God's power. The challenge I I hear from God in this is that uh, we put so much confidence in well-put-together presentations, in logical, well-reasoned arguments with lots of interesting illustrations that captivate us and energy that gets our attention and opens us to what's being spoken. But Paul intentionally deviated from that course because his concern was that our faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God, on what God can do. When we come to church, there's so many opportunities to put our faith in human stuff, in good organizational leadership, in, uh, in the worship time that's prepared, in, in the words of the pastor. But Paul says, if you're putting your faith in those things, even though those are good things, your faith is not in the right things. Uh, put your faith in the power of God. Put your faith in an expectation of what God might do among us. 
in a church like this. Like we are doing the will of God gathering as the church. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints, but come together uh, in this kind of corporate way. And, uh, and we're doing what God wills for us this morning. So we're, we're there. But are we expecting anything from God? From God. Not from the speaker, not from the worship leader, not from any of the stuff that's, pre- that's prepared, but from God himself. Where is our expectation? Does our faith rest on God's power or on human wisdom institutions? The second passage God drew me to was Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47. It says this of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What really sticks out to me about this passage is this idea that the Lord himself, by his power, added to the church. It wasn't smooth and persuasive words. It wasn't amazing organizational leadership or an excellent plan. The believers gathered together and were faithful to break bread, have fellowship, uh, to, to listen to the teaching, praising God, and God himself, by his power, added people to their fellowship, something that only God could do. Um, praising God. And, and they also enjoyed, as you can see here, uh, signs and wonders. This is, this is the kind of language that's talking about God's power, this thing that's true of God. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Well, they weren't performed by the apostles. They were performed by God through the apostles. It's God's power. And God, at that time in history, and at other times in history, in other churches, in other places, and currently in the world today, is still doing powerful things in his church as people rest their confidence not in human wisdom, not in the organization, not in the preparation, but in the power of God. God is still doing these things, these signs and wonders of his power. And for God, it's nothing for him to do these signs and wonders. Uh, Jesus Christ was raised to life by the power of God. We read in in Acts, uh, this is something that some of you can identify with, some of you who fall asleep during church. It's great. There's a Bible passage for you in Acts. Young boy falls asleep during one of Paul's snoozy messages. You know, boring Apostle Paul wrote the New Testament. He wasn't, he wasn't very interesting, apparently, to someone. Poor kid falls out of a window asleep. Do you, do you know this story? You should read your Bible. It's really funny. I thought it was great. So this kid falls out of the window because he's bored in church, falls asleep, falls on the ground dead. Now, most pastors would probably rebuke the person who's falling asleep, like, hey, I see some of you are sleeping when I'm preaching the word of God. But that wasn't Paul's heart. Paul went down there and laid on the boy and brought him back to life by the power of God. The power of God. <laughs> so that kid never fell asleep in church again. <laughs> it's like, that's interesting. And you know what? That was a cooler message than anything that Paul had talked about in his sermon, I guarantee you. 
I, I guarantee you that when people left that sermon, their faith didn't rest in smooth and persuasive words or arguments, but in the power of God. They said, Paul spoke, yada, yada, yada. He was leaving the next day, so it was like four hours, five hours, going on and on. It was pretty good. He didn't use enough illustrations or stories. It was kind of boring, I guess. Then this kid fell out of the window, and, and he brought him back to life by the power of God. That's what they remembered from that sermon, I guarantee you. I wonder if, I wonder if Paul just like <laughs> expounded on, and you see this power before you, and that is the power of God. And that's the end of my sermon. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it was, but that was probably a pretty cool moment in Paul's preaching career, I would think. Uh, after, getting, after having some discouragement of people falling asleep, this kid raises from the dead. It's the power of God. There was nothing for God to raise that child to life because God is all-powerful. When God does something powerful, he doesn't lose energy. It's just as easy for God to do something easy as it is, for some, in our opinion, than for God to do something very difficult, in our opinion. It's just as easy for God to say something very simple. Move, stir your heart through a worship song, like this morning. You heard a song, and it stirred your heart, and God spoke to you. It was kind of an inner impression. It's just as easy for God to do that as it is for him to raise the dead. God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. So that's a really neat passage in Acts. Uh, they were in awe of the many things that God was doing. And God, not their program, but God himself, added to their number daily, those who were being saved, the power of God at work in them. The final passage God brought me to um, as I was in my insomnia <laughs> last night was from Luke 10. And I, can I just say that, you know, we all want to hear from God. That's something that's really important uh, to each of us. Get in the Bible and just be faithful to read the Bible, even when you're not even when you're like, I'm, I'm flatlining here, I'm not hearing anything, read it. God brings it to mind. He speaks to you through his word. It's really quite amazing when you're trying to sleep and you have a marquee of scripture going through your head that you hadn't even thought about in a while. But that's, what God, that's one of the ways God loves to speak. Not the only way, but one of the ways. Luke 10, 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. This is when uh, Jesus is sending out kind of missionary folks on a journey. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Therefore, to send workers out into his harvest field. Ask the Lord. He didn't say to go from door to door with a clipboard, trying to find volunteers, which is, would be our first inclination, you know, uh, with anything we, even in, in an organization like the church, our inclination is to solicit volunteers. There's nothing wrong with soliciting volunteers, you understand. But notice, he's saying, ask God to send workers. God will do it by his power. God will provide the workers by his power. It's something that God does. So in 1 Corinthians passage, Paul spoke in a plain way so that no one would put confidence in his words but on a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Put your faith in the right thing. Have your expectations in the right thing uh, in a demonstration of God's power, not in the normal church stuff. What is God going to do? Anticipation of what God might do. Belief that God still works. Acts 2, 42 to 47. God did many signs and wonders through the apostles. Everyone was in awe, and God added to the church daily those who were being saved. Not a human program, God's power. And then Luke 10. God, 
God says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, ask me to send workers, and I will do it by my power. This is all reliance on God's stuff, not human effort magnified stuff. The Bible talks about God being powerful and almighty uh, 56 times. That's what almighty, almighty means, all-powerful. And it's a word that's only used of God. Uh, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who was and is and is to come. The almighty, the all-powerful God. The scripture says that's something that's true of God alone. My question when I look at God being almighty and I look at how we do church and I look at these three pastors that God brought to mind last night is, why don't we see more of the power of God in our church? Why don't we see more of the power of God in our church? And the answer that I came to as I thought about that is because we either have nothing or very little on the line. We're not taking risks, expecting God to come through. We're carefully crafting things so that even if God doesn't come through, everything's going to be fine. God responds to faith in his people. And, and the more you put on the line, uh, the more you trust him, the more faith-filled risks you take, the more opportunities you have to see the power of God come through. Even in the case of extreme human weakness, the power of God is made manifest. Maybe even especially in human weakness, God's power is made manifest. I came to that thinking about the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel. And he was having a face-off with the prophets of Baal. And uh, he said, you know, my God is the true God. And he put it on the line, man. He put it on the line. He said, your God can't deliver. Baal cannot deliver. My God is the only true God. And he said, let's prepare some altars. Uh, he prepared an altar. They prepared an altar. And then he poured water on his sacrifice so that it couldn't be, you know, catch fire easily at all. And he said, let's, let's, you and I, your prophets of Baal and, 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 and myself as the prophet of God, let's ask and treat our deity to uh, receive the sacrifice. And no matter how much the prophets of Baal cut themselves and screamed and wailed to their God, their false God, their little G-God, nothing happened. And Elijah said, has your God fallen asleep? Is your God in the bathroom? Is he busy? This is in the Bible. Again, the Bible's interesting. He was taunting them. And then the one true God, God Almighty, shot down fire from heaven that consumed not only the sacrifice and the water and the sticks, but the stones were like melted down. Almighty God. But what preceded that? Elijah put everything on the line. He took a faith-filled risk. He, he trusted God. And he stepped out in faith. And the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, the Trinity God that we serve responds to faith in amazing ways. Uh, I think about this idea of Paul preaching, and I think about myself preaching on a Sunday morning. And Paul knew, apparently knew his words weren't smooth and persuasive. In fact, he was making things as plain as possible because he was kind of baiting God to do something powerful through it, which is amazing. It was kind of like a faith, a faith response. And I think that preachers should put a lot of effort into trying to preach good sermons. Yeah, come up with illustrations. Do whatever extra education you can do to become a better communicator, all those different things. Paul put all of that training 
And he was a very skilled orator at the time, a philosopher, all this stuff. He took all that training and kind of said, I know one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And God demonstrated his power in people's lives through that. Uh, with all of the different things a pastor can do and, and the different methods of one, one can use to preach, the most important thing for me is that the power of God be given room to move in a sermon. And I ask myself when I ask, you know, what about the power of God among us? I ask myself, what about the power of God in my sermons? Where is there space I'm making for God to work and move through my sermons? I think about the power of God in the musical worship. Where are we creating space for God to move and work? Because we expect him to move and work through the musical worship. Where are we creating space for God to, to move in a powerful way in the children's ministry, in everything that we do together? I want to see God add to our number daily those who are being saved. There's ways to get people into a church that are like basically marketing that work. And you can do that. I'm not even opposed to it necessarily, but underneath all of that, I want, I want to believe that God adds to our number daily those who are being saved when we break bread and fellowship, when we listen to teaching, when we put into practice community, when we share with one another. You heard in some of the faith stories, you know, we, we try to be a community that shares and loves and takes care of people in every way that a family would, because it's a church family. As we are faithful to do those things, I want to see God add to our number daily those who are being saved. I don't want to rest my confidence and faith in human uh, ways of doing things, but to trust God for that. I want to see God, the Lord of the harvest, send workers into his harvest field by his power and his prerogative. You know, it's, it's great to solicit volunteers, and yes, churches always need volunteers. They always do. They always will. Because we have this ministry that we're trying to be responsible for to our children, to, to, in the worship, uh, in different outreach endeavors, different things. There's always so much to do. I'm, here I am soliciting uh, that you would hear from God about small groups. And that's a good thing, and that's a, that's a fine thing. But I don't want my faith to rest in those things. I want my faith to rest in trusting that the Lord of the harvest is concerned, and that as we pray to him, as we trust in him primarily to add, uh, he will send the workers that are needed. And I want to see, I want to see the power of God break out in the church. I want to see, I want us to have a back catalog because we've left room for faith and trust in God of the power of God at work in our church, of healings, of salvations, people coming to Christ. You know, the Bible, you don't think of that as being powerful all the time. The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God, the dunamis of God, the dynamite of God for every man and woman and child who believes. I want to see the power of God break out in, in restoring broken marriages, in healing families, in being healing to the community. And I, I want our church to get a rep reputation not as a place of anything, but where God is working and moving. So that when people that don't know Jesus feel like they're in dire straits, they think, I heard of this place, and God is moving there. I need a touch from God. I'm at the end of my rope. I want that. I want that to be the truth of us here. I don't want us to place our faith in human stuff, but in the Lord of the harvest and God Almighty, the one who wants to do all of this, if we will only seek him uh, for it and place our faith in him where it belongs, not in people. We had two really cool new things that happened this week. One was a staff meeting uh, with, with uh, our new staff, minus Corey, who's coming later. It was dynamic. It was awesome. God really moved and worked in that. But secondly, we had an intercessory prayer meeting on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, and we're having that every week. 
and we just sought God. And it was a powerful time where God really showed up and spoke in amazing ways through and to the people that came. And uh, you're invited to that, by the way. It's not an exclusive club. Uh, 10 o'clock, Wednesday mornings, uh, calling sick to work. No. <laughs> it's tough, I know, for, for some folks. I, I happen to work here, so I, I just kind of step over and take a break and pray. But we're going to create more times for that in other parts of the day and other, other parts of the week. But at this particular time, the Holy Spirit really spoke to someone powerfully about what he wants to do in new life. And it was something we all affirmed, yeah, that's, that's from God. And the Holy Spirit said, I want to make new life a human infrastructure of spirit-filled people. That's cool. A human infrastructure of spirit-filled people. And, and, and that brought me right back to that Acts 2 passage. People sharing, having fellowship, having everything in common, glorifying God for the things he's doing, being faithful, being, being filled with the Spirit, creating this space in this body where God can launch off and move and show his power to the world. A human structure, a human infrastructure, a spirit-filled people. It's a powerful vision, a powerful thought. And it summons to mind this idea of the whole body, the whole body, not just a few people in the body, but the whole body realizing how each part is completely essential, not an added bonus, not an extra, but completely essential to the infrastructure that God is putting together by his spirit, by his power. Uh, God spoke to me a second time this week uh, in a powerful way through a video that was sent to me by our district office of our district superintendent, David Lynn. And he was speaking from Ephesians 4. I'm just going to pick this up where he picked it up. And this is something we just preached through uh, as a church recently. Ephesians 4, 16. From him, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And the question that David Lynn asked was, before he read this passage, before God spoke to him through it, the question he was asking was, how does God want to grow his church in upstate New York? How does God want to grow his church? And the Holy Spirit brought him to this passage. It's what every supporting ligament supplies. That's how God wants to grow his church. It's really in line with the word God spoke to us on Wednesday before all this came about. God is creating a human infrastructure of spirit-filled people to show his power to Saratoga Springs through this church, through other churches that preach the gospel. And every supporting ligament is completely vital to that. It's completely vital. If we want to see the power of God, if we want to have expectation of, of his power and what he can do among us, it's completely vital, not extra, not ancillary, that every single person, right down to every supporting ligament of this body we call New Life Fellowship, takes what God has given them and pours it out to God as an offering at New Life Fellowship, where you call your church home. I'm not saying you can't do it anywhere else. This is not a cult. This is not a controlling organization by any means. But fundamentally, you are here because God's brought you here. You are vitally important to the health of the church and also to what God wants to do. And the fact of the matter is that God cannot accomplish his purposes in this church through me or Corey or Jen or Wanda or any of the other staff or elders or elders couples, God can only build his church and show his power through every supporting ligament that God supplied to the body, uh, taking what God's given them and pouring it back out to God, saying, yes, I will do this. I will do this thing you've put in me. People feel like they don't have anything to give. It's not true. 
David Lynn reminded in his sermon from 2 Peter 1, 3-4, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us, everyone, not just leaders, not the special people, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Do you catch that? Participation in the divine nature, the power of God in us, supplying us, every single minuscule part of the body of Christ has something from God to give. Something from God to give. And God is saying, the way I want to show my power, the way I want to uh, work in Saratoga Springs is by building a human infrastructure of spirit-filled people who will put their faith in the right things, put their faith in my power, put their faith in my provision as far as adding people to the church, and put their faith in my provision as far as it comes to adding people to the gospel ministry that he's calling us to. And what he's calling us to do is to just offer ourselves to him. And as I said, uh, faith requires that something be put on the line. There needs to be a risk taken. Just like Elijah on Mount Carmel, just like Paul, the amazing speaker who put that stuff aside and just spoke very plainly, we need to take a faith-filled risk, each of us. We're too comfortable. We're too comfortable. For our faith to really come alive in God, we need to take a faith-filled risk. You know, we feel very comfortable. I mean, we're just in a comfortable place. We live in a comfortable place. We have many amazing amenities in modern life. We, we can live very independently of God if we choose to. Uh-huh. But putting something on the line really enlivens your faith and allows you to see the power of God. For Jackie and I, making ourselves available as a resource for my cousin's baby who was born addicted to drugs, that was something that made our faith come alive. Was it not, Jackie? For us, it was something we, we prayed about, something that was a huge risk. Like, what, what is, we don't know what needs the baby will have. Uh, and making ourselves available, driving out and seeing how that would play out and trusting God for that, a huge risk. And we felt the presence and the power of God over us as we did that. It was something that was outside of our comfort zone in many ways. So many unknowns, so little control. It's something where God revealed himself. It's a principle that's true, though, of any part of your life. For any ministry in the church, whatever God's calling you to do within you, that he's supplied for this body, take a faith-filled risk. Make space for it in your schedule. Make space for it and present yourself to God and, and, and present yourself to the church. And see what God does. See how his power is made available to you and breaks out. I do not want more human effort. I do not want sprinklers going during a storm. You know, I don't want lots of human effort, wasted time, better programs, better presentation, better marketing. These things are fine. Better speaking methods. Some of you wish I was using better speaking methods right now. That's fine. That's fine. But I want to see the power of God. And I think until we really give what God's given us to give, and the body he's placed us within, we will find that the well continually runs dry. And, the, and what we hope for, and the thing we thirst for, some of us um, in, in this body, will not come to pass. It takes what every joint supplies. And God is good. God is kind. God loves us. He wants to hear from us. Talk to your Father in heaven. 
you parents, how, how happy are you when your child calls you and they're not asking for something, but just calling you to see how you're doing uh, when they're in college or they, they need something from you or they just want to talk to you or, or they want to take you out to dinner or out to coffee. Maybe you desire that. God desires that with his children too. And he wants us to ask, seek, and knock. And to the sincere person who comes before him, asking, seeking, and knocking, there is no barrier that can come between what he wants to do through that person and it being completed. Because God is almighty. God is all-powerful. And he has made his power available in a special way through the church. So we're coming together around the communion table this morning. This is our time of response to God. I'm going to invite Scott to come up and play for us a bit. The table of the Lord uh, was something that God commanded us to do for, for all time, an ordinance from God. And the bread represents Jesus' broken body for us. How Jesus was broken on the cross and shed his blood for us. It also reminds us of the power of God. That through Jesus' death and Jesus' weakness, I mean, dying... It shows the frailty of the human body through that human death of Jesus the Christ. Uh, God took care of our sin problem for anyone that will look to him. And the blood of Jesus shed on that cross covers our sin, makes atonement, so that we can have a clear conscience before God, so we can be forgiven, so we can have assurance of our salvation with God. That's what the, the cross means. The blood is symbolized in the juice, and the bread symbolizes Jesus' broken body. It also symbolizes to the early church that we all come from a common loaf. You know, what every joint supplies. You know, if you, if you leave out an ingredient or put the wrong ingredient into bread, it turns out very funny. And every aspect of the bread, right down to the cooking and everything that happens chemically, is vitally important to the bread to become what you see before you. When we see this common loaf, we think of the body of Christ. And when we break it, we remember Jesus' broken body on the cross, but we also remember that we who are one break apart into these tiny pieces of, of the body during the week. But we all come from a common loaf. Everything that you supply is vitally important to the body and holds the whole thing together. So I'm going to invite the ushers to come and distribute the elements. We'll take them together and just ask God, what is it that you've put into me for the body? Undoubtedly, you feel unqualified because you don't have a Bible degree, because you don't like being in front of people, you're not unqualified. Uh, you are, uh, you're qualified because you have the divine nature within you and the power of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to do something through you. Something we haven't seen yet. If you only make yourself available to Him. Avail yourself to Him. So let's, let's go before the Lord and reflect on His sacrifice and reflect on how He's calling us to be in the body. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And he had given thanks and blessed it. He said, this is my blood, the blood of my new covenant, which is poured out for you. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Your, your action points as you go home, pray and ask God for wisdom. 
God promises to give wisdom to all generously. It's his nature. Uh, ask him for wisdom on what he is saying to you in today's sermon, how you are to tie into the body. And the second action point is to figure out what a faith-filled risk looks like for you. What does it look like to put it on the line for you? Not for someone else, but for you. Figure out a way to make your faith come alive so that you can see the power of God. Because God responds to faith. The Holy Spirit responds to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I lift up your people. I thank you for this time of uh, sharing in um, the communion table and also talking about your power. I pray that this church would be, would be transformed, that we would become a people who expect to see you at work and to expect great things from you and to make ourselves available to you, um, that you might work mightily within us and through us, that we might be a place where you are pleased to dwell by your spirit an infrastructure of Holy Spirit-filled people who trust and have faith in the living God, the God Almighty. Uh, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.